0: worship team and uh, dancing, you yeah, know, some good worship. worship. Praise God for that. Yeah. Man, that's good. Praise the Lord. Thank you team for doing what y'all do every week for us. And spend a lot of time practicing and preparing for that. I'm thankful for like, the talents that God has given you and Jesus and for His glory. The church, uh, I brought to your attention just a little bit ago that we are in Philippians chapter 4 verses 2 through 9 today. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. And yes, if you're here and you, you maybe have never read through the book of Philippians, maybe at any time in your life, or you've only seen bits and pieces of it, I'll give you a really quick, really, really quick recap. The Apostle Paul is sitting in prison and he is writing this letter to the church of Philippi. And while he is writing, and he's gone through really difficult circumstances, he's writing with this theme of joy. And pushing it and, and reminding the Philippians that no matter what they face, Lord, no matter what it is, to rejoice. And to stay focused on what we have been saying has been the thesis of the entire letter. Which is found in chapter 127. To walk and live their lives in a manner that is worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we have been journeying through this book over the last two months. And we're here at the next to last week. And we're at this point right now where Paul is... He's starting to sum up his letter. He's starting to bring all those final points together, and he gives a very applicable presentation to us in the text today. Uh, it's just a, a very profound word from God whom, as Paul's writing this, he's divinely inspired by the Spirit, and, he, and he's writing these truths to us, and where so many years later we can see them and apply them to our lives. So before we go any further, let's stand together as we honor the reading of God's Word. Philippians chapter 4, verses 2 through 9. And the word of the Lord says, I entreat the and I entreat Sintiq to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with the men and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, Rejoice. Whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. This is the word of God. Almighty God, Lord, I thank you, Lord, for the wonderful time of worship and proclaiming your name that we have had today. I beg you, God, that we have the freedom to come into this house, Lord, that you have provided for us. Lord, and lift your name in worship. Father, we come to this point right now where more word is being in Lord, I pray, God, that during this time that every distraction remains or that you would speak and move in this place. God, I'm mean, doing, we need to hear something today that calls us to get up and step out of faith that you would tell us to do so. Lord, if there's something that we hear today, Lord, that is conviction from the Holy Spirit that we need to hear, Lord, and lean. For whatever it is that we have, for us, God, I pray, Lord, that we would not put up the blocks. We would not ignore what you're saying. Lord, speak to us today and move so powerfully through this word. Lord, I'm just a sinner say, so by your grace, and I'm thankful that I have the opportunity to claim your word to your people be glorified in this time, Lord. I love you and praise you in Christ. Amen. Maybe see you. So here we are in the middle, well, the beginning really, going to the middle of chapter 4 of Philippians. And Paul reminded the Philippians here in this passage to stay unified, focus on the gospel, rejoicing in the Lord and trusting Him while practicing these truth. So with that said, I I hope that you have uh, some notes that you want to take out. you've got the backside of your bulletin that's blank for you to do so. But the first thing that we're going to see in this passage is number one, stay unified, focus on the gospel. Stay unified, focus on the gospel. Look at verse 2 again. It says, I entreat Iodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Now, for those of you that were here way back on the very first week that I was preaching from this passage, way back to chapter one at the very beginning. When Paul is giving his greeting to the church of Philippi, he includes in that greeting the elders and the deacons. This one's not on the screen, just listen to this. He says there, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, you are Philippi, with the overseers and the deacons. We don't really see that much in any of Paul's other writings, okay? When we see that here, and I alluded to it that day, that there would be something coming in this book that we're gonna see where it would be an apical moment the leaders to address an issue that was going on in the church. That's why Paul specifically addresses them at the beginning. And we see here in verse 2 of chapter 4 that there is something going on between these two women. He does not mention what the specific conflict is that is going on, but he acknowledges it. The fact that he doesn't acknowledge what exactly is going on would tell us as the readers of the word of God that it is believed that Paul knows that they know what is happening. Paul knows that they have an understanding. and he says in this letter what is going on without them, like, just blatantly coming out and saying it, that they know what's going on. It's not a secret. And the same is true for any kind of situation we have, is it not? If there's conflict, you know that there's conflict. I mean, you can do that in the workplace. You can do that in the family. You can do it in the church. If there's a conflict going on, it's not a secret. People know that there's some kind of something going on. So there's this conflict that is happening between these two women. Paul says here in this verse, he says to agree in the Lord. He's telling them to agree, in the, to agree in the Lord. If you remember back in Philippians chapter 2 verse 2, it says, Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. This is what Paul has been telling them. It's one of the many things that Paul has been teaching them In this letter And in teaching them this He's pointing them again back to the thesis of the letter To live their lives in a manner that is worthy Of the gospel of Christ What are one of the ways that you do that You be of the same mind as the church Having the same love Being in full accord and of one mind The one mind as we talked about Is focused on Christ Living a life in obedience to Christ and so if that is the case, and Paul is saying to agree in the Lord, it's assumed that these women know Christ. They know what the same mind means. They know what it means to do this thing that Paul is telling them to do. So Paul is addressing them, and saying, hey, listen, agree. Get past the conflict and agree in what the Lord has for you. There's this reality Of Paul's lack of information given In regards to these two women And that the church probably knew them well And the conflict with them as well as I said Now, look at verse 3 Verse 3 says Yes, I ask you also, true companion Help these women who have labored side by side With me in the gospel together with Lament And the rest of my fellow workers Whose names are in the book of life We see here that Paul Specifically is speaking to a person Again, we don't know who the person is Now we can assume, as the readers looking at the text, that when Paul is writing this, he's not addressing what the actual conflict is because he assumes that they know what he's talking about, and the same is true for the person that is that he's writing to here, telling them to address it, to handle it. More than likely, it's potentially one of those elders or deacons that he addresses at the beginning. Now. This person's responsibility is to apply the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ to bring reconciliation between these two. What is the gospel? The gospel is the good news of Jesus, is it not? The gospel is the reconciliation between man and God. It is because of the good news of what Jesus Christ has done for us at Calvary, taking our place on the cross, bearing God's wrath in our place, That we have the opportunity to be reconciled in our relationship with God. In the beginning, when God created everything, it was so perfect and beautiful in the garden. It was there for God to walk through the garden with Adam. God saw that it was not good for man to be alone. So what does he do? He causes Adam to fall asleep. He creates Eve out of his his rib. And they live and they have this perfect, beautiful, established (laughs) movement with God. Until we get to Genesis chapter 3. And we see the fall of man. Giving in to the temptation of the serpent there. Causing the entire separation between man and God. But Jesus comes. And he makes the way between man and God. right again for those who know Christ. Those who would profess Christ Jesus as Lord. And believe in their heart God raised him from the dead. So there's that reconciliation. That is what the gospel is. So if we know the gospel. Yet we have a conflict to reconcile that conflict. And, that, and that's very applicable for the church today. That's applicable for any kind of relationship you have. But especially in the context of the church. If you have a brother and sister, even within our midst here, that you know there's a conflict there, we must resolve that conflict. We can recall Jesus' teaching from the Sermon on the Mount. You're going to see a couple of different Sermon on the Mount references today. But from Matthew 5, 23-24, listen to what he says. If you're offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. It's just, it, it, that's a very important teaching of Christ, to us as the church. If we have an issue with a brother or sister in Christ, we have this issue. We know that there's tension there. We know that there's conflict. Before we even walk in and come to bring our praises to God, Jesus says to leave your gift here at the altar and go and fix the problem between you and your brother. So I
1: want to encourage the church.
0: Honestly, I'll be straight up front with you. I don't know if any known pressing conflict is happening right now. But as we continue to move forward on the mission, as we continue to do the things that God wants us to do, as we continue walk in obedience to him, you better believe there's going to be conflict. There's going to be conflict.
1: The enemy is not going
0: to enjoy the fact that we are all trying to strive forward to reach the people of this community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So he is going to bring up lies and dissension amongst us. We must, we must be of the same mind. We must agree with the Lord. And if there is conflict, we must reconcile Those things Look at the second point of the passage Rejoice in the Lord And trust Him Always Rejoice in the Lord and trust Him Always Verse 4 says Rejoice in the Lord always Again I will say rejoice Here's one of those verses Of scripture that you can see Plastered on different things Maybe you've heard it said over and over again Matter of fact, you walking to the Welcome Center, there's a canvas hanging on the wall that's got this scripture quoted. It's one of those well-known verses that we see, that we can quote. But when Paul is writing this, he's continually reminding them all throughout this letter to have this mindset of rejoicing in Christ and having joy despite our circumstances, despite hardships, despite persecution, despite suffering. He wants to make sure to point to the fact that there is always... Always something to see joy in Because of what Christ Jesus has done for us You remember Way back at the beginning of the series If you weren't here I'll just I'll tell you this We were talking about joy And the concept of understanding Earthly joy compared to our joy in Christ Remember what I told you Earthly joy is based on what Our earthly circumstances When things are going well We're joyful When things are not going so hot We're not tuned so hot We're not joyful. We struggle. But for those of us in Christ, we must remember that we have been saved by God Almighty. Our sin does not separate us from God anymore. Therefore, our identity should not be in our status, should not be in our job, should not be in anything else that this world offers that brings us earthly joy. Our identity and our focus and our joy should be deeply saturated and rooted in who we are in Christ Jesus. That is what fuels us. That is what gets us up in the morning despite whatever we may face and we keep striving forward towards the goal that we talked about last week. Those are the things. It's our deeply saturated, rooted focus of who we are in Christ Jesus. Verse 5 says, Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Now, here in the ESV that I'm preaching from, it says reasonableness. Some of your translations may say gentleness or may say of a gentle mind or something of that sort. But when we see this here, living a life where you're letting your reasonableness or your gentleness be made known to everyone, you're doing what Paul has been teaching all throughout this letter. When you're coming in and you have a gentle heart that is sold out for Jesus, saying, God, whatever you want for my life, I'll do it. When you're walking in daily obedience to God, you have that gentle spirit. You have that gentle attitude. And if you don't, and we all struggle, we're all still sinners, those of us in Christ that are saved by His grace, we have those days when we're not doing so hot. Do we not? My wife's in here, baby. you better say amen. There's days when I'm not doing so hot she'll tell you that. But the, the reality is, despite those things, we should still be walking in gentleness towards everyone. He says there to let your reasonableness or your gentleness be known to everyone. Not just to your family. Not just to your church family. But even when maybe you're out in the community and somebody comes up to you and, and obvious that they are in the need of something. Coming before that person and showing them a gentle, loving spirit. Even the co-worker, maybe that is just getting on your last nerve, showing them that gentleness and that love. Even the person in your family maybe that is just pushing on that level. Even the friend that maybe has hurt you. Still having a forgiving, gentle spirit towards that person. He says there, the Lord is at hand. Showing Christ's love to all. In doing so, is reminding us that we don't know the day or the hour of Christ's return. Scripture says that, that only the Father does. And there is a day coming when God the Father, like I said a couple weeks ago, is going to look at Jesus and say, go back again." Because we don't know the day or the hour of when that is to come. We should be living every single day as if it's the last. Because we should be doing this to remember that the people we encounter every single day, not all of those people know Christ. Not all of them knew. Based on our statistics, right here in this general area, We must remember the Lord the day, the Lord is at hand, coming soon. We must live our lives being gentle towards others, showing that reasonableness, loving people that need to show and feel the heart, have the love shown to them. Recall with me what Paul said again earlier in Philippians. Earlier in Philippians 2 3 through 4, he says, Do nothing from robbery or conceit, but in humility. Count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but to the interests of others. We should continually have this mindset. We're I mean, looking out for others and what their needs are. You might say, right, I, I don't have a lot that I can do for someone. And you just want the love of Jesus you can know, praying for. Encountering somebody that is They can tell you if you're sitting there. I mean, if you go into a restaurant and you ask your waitress or waiter, Can I pray for you? times out of 10, they're going to look at you and they're going to say, Yeah, let me tell you what I got going on. And they just lay it all out. They might be having some hard times financially. They might have some some really bad family issues going on. There might not be a lot that you can do monetarily or that you can do here um, based on earthly standards. But one thing that you can do. You can tell them who you are in Christ, what he's done for you, and pray for them. That will speak volumes to them and encourage them so incredibly much. Look at verse 6.
1: Do not be anxious about
0: anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. This, too, is another well-known quoted verse. As a matter of fact, I've, I've quoted this verse to people throughout my ministry whenever they're facing difficult times, when they're facing anxiety about things that are happening in their lives. And Paul's telling the Philippians here to not be anxious about anything, but to pray. To take the things that are going on that you're struggling with and, and pray. Ask God to deal with these things for you, to help you through it. Now, I want to go ahead and say this right now. I'm going to go ahead and put this out there. I understand, I do understand that there are things in this life with anxiety and depression and things of that nature where there are times when medication is needed to assist in that issue. I understand that. I get that. No more no here. here. But what I want to make sure that we point out is that when we are faced with different things in this life, when we have anxiety over it, and we start to feel this building pressure about it. Don't hold on to it. Don't sit there and look at it and say, there are things that I've got to cling to because I've got to fix this problem. Take it to the one who knows everything about you. Take it to the one that knows everything about your situation that you're in the middle of. Take it to Jesus. Proverbs 12.25, hey, the very first part of that verse it says, Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down. I read that verse and I immediately get this picture in my mind of my scouting days. Yes, I was a boy scout. They don't went meeting. There were days when we would go on these hiking trips. And I hated the days when we went on hiking trips. Because nine times out of ten, we had to carry all of our camping bags and stuff. Because we had to have our tent and all that stuff with us so that when we went on that hiking trip and we finally got to a place where we would stop, we could set up camp. And during that whole journey going up there, it was taxing It was tiring. Because I'm carrying all this weight on my back. And I finally get to a place where I'm able to just and drop it. Catch my breath and then set up camp. That's the image I keep in my mind when I read that verse from Proverbs. Because the anxiety that we face and the worry that we can take on in our lives, it's a constant weight that bounds itself upon us. And we hold on to that and we take it and we keep walking through it. And there's so many opportunities where we can take that and unclick the little snap that's there holding it on and just let it go and say, Jesus, take this. Help me with this. Help me, Lord. I come before you with prayer and supplication. I come before you with these things, asking you to help me through. John Piper, who's a wonderful, wonderful pastor, a modern-day preacher that's actually been around for a little while now, he states it this way when it comes to anxiety. Anxiety seems to be an intense desire for something accompanied by a fear of the consequences of not receiving it. We worry because the things that we want, the things that we long for, the things that maybe are out of our control, they tend to go the way that we don't want them to go. And that's very difficult. It's very hard. And I don't think we like that at all. I will tell you, church. Sure, Walter. Michael can tell you this. Anybody that's ever had the opportunity to preach the Word of God Will tell you this. teach the Word of God brother, you can tell me. There are times when there's a passage of Scripture that God has just laid out for you, That you've got to preach. The Lord continually the preaches to you, leading up to the time you preaching This passage of Scripture that was planned months ago for this Sunday. Was the assistance that I needed this week. I won't go in depth with it, but I'll just tell you, i am not been living by this verse this week. And it took me all week to finally realize last night as I'm going through my sermon again that God reminds me of saying, you're not, you're not doing what you're saying you're in this verse, but I've told you to do in this verse. I've had anxiety and, and, and just stress about some stuff at work. And I've been holding it all in and harboring it and thinking through it and all this, and it's horrible and bad. But it's has been a, a stressful thing that I've been thinking and battling through. And instead of trusting my God that He's going to take care of it, I've continually been struggling with this. And, and not taking it for him in prayer. And then last night the Lord we just laid it for me again this location, and request to be known to It reminded me of that last year. You better believe I repent before the Lord when I said we can't We cannot control these things that we face in our lives. We cannot control the way things are going. And and hear me out, I am not, I am not saying that anybody does this, but I would like to make this statement very, very clear. If He, God Almighty, can save your soul from eternal damnation and separation from Him, you better believe He can handle whatever earthly things want. And we can trust Him to take care of whatever spiritual things we have, separation from God. We can trust Him with our salvation, keeping us from eternal damnation and separation from God. You better believe He can handle whatever earthly things we face. God has laid it in my heart that there are many people probably Trust him. Trust him. And to remind myself, he has that to remind me. Trust him. Even in the lip side. <clears throat> that we can blow out our proportions so much from time to time. And get so anxious about it and worry so much about. It. Trust him. Trust him. Matthew 625 and 34 says this. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They will neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valued than they? And which of you, being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? your heavenly father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Do not be anxious. Don't worry. Don't worry. These things, because if God Almighty will take care of the birds of the air and the lilies in the field, you better believe that the person that is made in the image of God Almighty will be taken care of by the sovereign God of the universe. Amen. Amen. Period. Trust Him. Trust Him. He knows. when we function in this life with tunnel vision. All we can see are the things that are right up here coming. But our sovereign God over the universe that sits on His throne sees what is coming once that the road. Sees what is coming next. And the it said again and again, but He's reminded us continually, He is with us He's with us always. 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7 says, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you, casting all your anxieties away, because He cares for you. He loves you. He loves us. are to him. Yeah. Verse 7 says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Right there at the end of 6 where it said, to do all these things with prayer and supplication, making your requests be you made God. He says also that you do We get to come before the Holy God over all things. And we get to do so because He has steeped us. We need to have a spirit to do We will hear verse 6 quoted so many times. you have heard me say this in the past, but I've quoted it as many of you before. We we'll read verse 6. I think a lot of the time we we'll forget verse 7. We say to not be anxious and not to worry. To come according with prayer and supplication and in all of our requests be made known to God in thankfulness. Verse 7, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. When we do this, when we come forward with these things, when we trust in him, his peace, which surpasses all earthly understanding, will come to guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I'm so thankful for that. That he has promised us that this peace of God comes to us. Lastly, number three. Focus on Jesus and live for him. Focus on Jesus and live for him. Number, verse eight says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is any of these things worthy of your praise, think about these things. Things. Paul states that each of these graces that are offered to us says, after reading them all out, writing them all out, he says to think about these things. Please note that thinking about these things is thinking about Christ. Christ Jesus is the embodiment of these graces to us. He is true. He is honorable. He is just. He is pure. He is lovely. He is commendable. He is excellence. And He is worthy of our praise. He's worthy of the church. Therefore, we must stay focused on Him. We must keep our eyes fixated on Him as we live our lives and model it. After Christ, pursuing holiness, pursuing righteousness has been important to us. Thank God that He's been given to us. I told you the example last week. When Peter gets out on the boat. Jesus is walking on the water and the storm is going crazy. The water is crashing all over the place. And Peter says, Lord, could you call me out? And Jesus says, come. And when Peter comes out there, he's focused on Jesus. The man is walking on water. And then he immediately takes his eyes off Christ. And he begins to sink. Stay focused on Christ. Because the enemy is going to come. And he is going to do everything in his power to take our focus off of Jesus. And when he does, and when we give in, we will save him. But time and time again, as he always has, just as he promised, I will be with you always, he's there to do just like he did with Peter, and he will suffer and go in And he also adds that the money, and why don't you Why don't you trust me, son? Why don't you trust me, God? I know what's coming for you. Lastly, verse 9. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Paul states in a follow-up here to verse 8 that if we focus our mind on these truths and stay focused on Jesus, then we are practicing these things in our new lives. It's not just something that we take, we put here, and we store for later. It's things that we actually do. We put them to practice. Have you ever played on an organized team of any kind? All I did in growing up was baseball. But I would continually go to practice before I played the game. Because as I got in there, I was learning, learning at practice how to play the game, doing the drills. Practicing those things so that I can do them in the whole game. same is very true for us in the Christian life. We know the truths and the commandments of God because He lays them out for us here hearing through prayer. We come into His house to hear the Word of God proclaimed through preaching and teaching and singing. We are equipped. This then takes us to the point that I said before, where we go into the morning, and we practice these things. We must remember to do these things. We must remember to be focused on Jesus and live for Him. We must remember to rejoice in the Lord and trust Him always. And we must remember to be a unified people, continually focused on the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. we're going to move into this time right now. We started it last week. If you weren't here with us, I'm just going to go ahead and let you know, you may think that the next few minutes are awkward. It is not intended to be awkward. But it is going to be some silent, reflective time of prayer. One of the things that the Lord has really heard in my heart about is the fact that we have not been praying enough for the majority of our people in And so for the next few moments, I'm going to ask you to stop and reflect on what you've heard today. Not reflect on what Ryan has said. Reflect on what the Spirit of God is telling you. Maybe you have something in your life that you are struggling with and you have a lot of anxiety about it and you're not trusting the Lord for whatever the next step is. Confess that and repent and move forward. Maybe you have no relationship with Christ and you want to know how to know this Jesus that went to the cross and died for you. How might be the moment to come forward and say, pray with me about this. I don't know what to do next. Maybe you know Jesus. Maybe you're not really struggling with anxiety about certain things. But maybe God is telling you it's time to take your next step and trust you with the next step. Maybe you came to know Christ and you've never baptized. Your next step is baptism. Maybe you know Christ and you were baptized, and maybe you're just coming here on Sunday it's just to attend. Maybe your next step is church membership. Maybe you want to grow deeper in your relationship with Christ. Your next step is being in a Sunday school class and being in a discipleship group, learning the truths of the Scriptures, so you can grow in your faith. But whatever it is, take these next few moments that are given to you to pray to God. And ask him, Lord, what are you telling me based on what you've said today? I'm going to ask Michael and Walter to both come up here with me. We're going to be up front. This is not to make you feel weird or make you feel called out or anything. If you need prayer, let us know and we will pray with you. That would bring us so much joy to be able to pray with you. But They're going to come forward. We're we're gonna be up here praying ourselves. But if you need prayer, come up here. Don't feel like you're interrupting me. Man. And join us for prayer. We love pray. Let's move into the song.